0: Welcome everybody to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We're uh, going remote today, both of us going mobile this weekend, but they're in a pretty exciting first weekend of college baseball. I know we had good weather in North Carolina for it, Uh, for the opener we went to uh, as a staff. Most of us went to go see Wright State and Monmouth, an epic battle with uh, personal cheese ball, Pat Light, looking good. Uh, You were all over the West Coast, so you saw several... uh, Teams uh, on the outside of the top 25. I guess the only top 25 teams you saw were UCLA and Oklahoma. Right. Uh, all that's already on the college blog. Let's just—we're go, going to talk as we do every year in the podcast, where we you know, kind of work our way down the top 25 rankings and also try to hit on uh, in this uh, shorter version of the of the podcast, uh, kind of the big stories of the weekend. And Aaron, I guess the really the biggest stories right at the top. Two of the best weekend series involved our top two teams in our preseason rankings: number one, Florida, and number two, Stanford both played ranked opponents and while Florida is number 1 and they had a a good series win against Fullerton and kind of an upset loss on Sunday I think we we would be remiss if we didn't start off by talking about Stanford because I think Stanford's blowout series sweep of Vanderbilt is the biggest story of the college weekend
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that was really, really um, you know, it was it was emphatic. They uh they played very well and and we figured that Stanford would hit a lot Um, you know, the reports we got in the pre-conference, um, when they were hitting their own pitching extremely well, you know, I mean, the first time out of the shoot, I think, uh, three weeks ago, um, they, they put up something like nine runs on, on Appel and Mooneyham, you know, I mean, it's, uh, this team's going to score a ton of runs. They're, they're going to be extremely offensive, um, uh, I thought, uh, you know, the reports were that Appel pitched well on Friday. Uh, I think Mooneyham gave him a nice start on Saturday. Uh, Venegas, you know, who we wrote about in weekend preview, is kind of a key to their season. Uh, one of the keys, you know, he got hit. He got hit around some. I mean, don't, don't think he got out of the second inning. So um, that's still a little bit of a concern. But other than that, I mean, it was smooth sailing. They got great relief from the freshman Hocksteder on on Sunday, and
0: uh, that's major um, Hocksteder to you. That's right. It's my favorite uh, Hogan's Heroes reference of college baseball for a long time. There hasn't there hasn't been a good player named Schultz yet, so uh, or Klink. I can't remember any Klinks, but uh, Hochstatter is is a pretty good. One. I actually, according to IMDb, uh, this the, the pitcher's name is John Hochstetter, uh with an E, and he's a freshman left hander. The the SS uh, the bumbling major SS of the German army, he was uh, Hochstatter with an A. So there's it's not quite the same, but Obviously, the spirit uh is what got me going
1: i'm afraid i can't uh i can't go back and forth with you when it comes to hogan's heroes' reference <laughs> okay. um, but anyway um there's nowhere to go with that I'm sorry uh Stanford had a great weekend uh We did you know briefly talk about whether or not we should swap them with Florida um but you know when you're the number one team and you win a home a weekend series against a ranked team um you know you're you're not going to lose that spot. I mean it's just not how we do things, especially since Florida entered the season as you know a clear cut and undisputed number one, they had a significant lead over Stanford in our internal deliberations. I still think they're you know a more complete team than Stanford because I think their pitching is more proven um so you know uh, there, there wasn't enough reason to swap those two teams, but, but I just want to acknowledge that there was a, people might be asking about that, because, you know, everyone th- kind of treats, not everyone, a lot of people treat the, the baseball rankings like they would treat the football or basketball rankings, or anytime you lose a game, you know, if somebody else goes unbeaten, they should jump ahead of you. That's not how baseball works. It's, it's a game of, of weekend series, and if you win your series, you're generally going to stay put.
0: I definitely get frustrated when people talk about upsets as one game in co- in college baseball I don't think that, there's ever there's never an upset in just one game you know maybe a mid even in a midweek game you know to me it had for it to be really be an upset um i don't anything can happen in baseball one crazy thing can happen I just don't think one game ever tells you really the story, which is why you know the NCAA even acknowledged that uh you know everybody wants to have a one game championship on television. But even the NCAA baseball got better at the college level. We went away from the one-game championship and went to the best of three, of the College Series finals. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that just has to be an acknowledgement that's how the game is played. That said, Stanford series sweep of Vanderbilt was the most impressive. Any concern for Vanderbilt there, Aaron? Because they also lost their fall series with Cal State Fullerton, and this team you know still has a lot of talent, but they clearly lost a lot from last year's club. I, I think we acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, you know, they lost their whole weekend rotation with a. First round pick, the SEC pitcher of the year, and a really solid senior in Taylor Hill. They, they lost two or three of their top guys in the bullpen. Navery Moore was their single season saves record guy. Corey Williams was their moment of truth guy. Obviously we believe in their talent coming in, but, uh, it sounds like they played a little sloppy too, just not a, what, what gives you, or do you chalk this up more to just how good Stanford is?
1: I do chalk it up more to how good Stanford is, but also, you know, Vanderbilt is one of those teams that we rank number ten in the preseason. I think based on where we expect them to be uh, at the end of the year, almost. I mean, I think that that's a team that we were aggressive with. Um, I kind of thought there might be some growing pains. There might be, uh, it's maybe one of those things where, where they get better over the course of the season. But I mean, you know, you've got, like you said, three new weekend starters. And to me, that's the biggest question with Vanderbilt. Um, Kevin Zomek, Tyler Beatty, and Sam Selman. Um, I don't think any of those guys pitched well this weekend. And, uh, you know, they need to be better than that. Uh, and then Sam, and Vanderbilt needs to play better defense. I mean, that was another thing that really stood out to me this weekend. I thought they were going to be a much better defensive team than they showed this weekend. So we'll see if that's a recurring issue or something that they get corrected. I suspect they will get it corrected, but um, that was definitely a problem for them this weekend as well.
0: And the one thing about the Florida series I want to touch on, um, what, one of their biggest strengths last year, Aaron, was their their pitching depth in their bullpen. And when Fullerton broke through, um, on Sunday, uh, the big three-run homer by uh, uh, the freshman J.D. Davis kind of broke things open. Uh, it was against the Florida bullpen, and I guess it was against Steve Rodriguez, who obviously is back and is outstanding. We 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 really like F- uh, Steve Rodriguez, as the Gators' closer. There are some less tested arms, you know, Anthony Desclafani and uh, Nick Morande, just for two examples, were two guys who you know had started SEC weekend series their first two seasons uh at Florida were in middle relief last year for the Gators. Some very talented but less tested guys who didn't quite come through for them over the weekend against Fullerton. Is that I don't know, a chink in the armor for uh for Florida or again just more credit to Fullerton, especially a guy like Davis who was an unsigned fifth round pick.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a it's a huge issue. I mean partly because you look at a guy like Jonathan Crawford who came in um on on, on Sunday, you know who's the first guy out of the bullpen. And we should add, first of all, as an aside that you know Florida, of course, the way they treat their pitchers, i mean we' talked about this before, they protect those guys right and and Brian Johnson uh, only went four innings he was on a seventy five pitch limit he he was dominant for four innings, uh two hits, no runs, and they took him out i mean they you know a lot of teams probably would have would have extended him more, uh, but you know, they took him out so that put a little more strain on the bullpen than you'll you'll see later in the season um, when he can go deeper into a game but um you know but Crawford came in and he was charged with four earned runs. Um, but, you know, Sully said, uh, I talked to, to Coach O'Sullivan this morning, he said that uh, Crawford, you know, he actually didn't pitch that poorly. I mean, he gave up one hard hit ball to Ivory Thomas, but other than that, it was, you know, a bunch of choppers, and he was 93 to 95 with sink, and he didn't, you know, he's going to run him right back out there. I mean, he didn't see anything really too discouraging about that, so um you know that's that's one piece of good news i i like all the arms they've got back there i mean all those guys who pitched on sunday in that game that they lost you know daniel gibson greg larson is a proven guy who had a great oh, yeah. year last year um you know rodriguez who sounded like lost his his poise a little bit after that home run and uh, you know threw threw a pitch behind um um the batter. Yeah, Jay,
0: yeah the, I think it was Austin Kingsolver.
1: Kingsolver, King right. Yeah, I mean, that was after Lopez, I think, showed a little bit of exuberance, uh, um, as he scored. And, you know, I mean, and it's, you know, it got a little chippy and, and it was chippy all weekend out there from what I understand. And, uh, um, you know, I think that might be a good thing for Florida in the end. I mean, uh, I think a lot of times we see that, uh, teams can, can, you know, they can develop chemistry from these kinds of weekends. And,
0: um, I agree. I agree. I think it's good to be tested by fire in that first weekend series, and it sounds like they were. And uh, I liked uh, Rick Vanderhoek uh, getting his first win as a college head coach. I liked his quote that you had on the college blog. It like, hey, I would have done the same thing if I were them. You know, so yeah. <laughs> uh, he acknowledges kind of that. Like you said, the whole that was just the whole weekend. It wasn't just that one thing. His exuberance of hitting the home run came from, he was really excited to to beat those guys, you know, to, to get to Florida. And uh, I think Florida get to play with a target on their back all year. If They don't recognize that now. Better for them to re- to realize that and learn that now, uh, yeah. going forward. But uh, also want to remind people it's a Baseball America College Podcast. And this year for 2012, the Baseball America College Podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the Baseball Training Machine Company. And ATEC they're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. So visit atecsports.com to learn about training machines. That can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATECHSports.com. ATECH win every practice. And, uh, I would, if I weren't uh, in a hurry here and I'd break out my Tim Corbin impersonation, I don't think there's any way I'll be as good as I was last night, but uh, we're going to have some practices, some hard practices with our ATECH machines uh, this week, uh, back in Nashville. And, uh, we do, we just played terrible this weekend here. So anyway, that's, yeah. I, that's what I got for you.
1: You went a little more JFK-ish on that one, or maybe <laughs> it be,
0: maybe. That really is the basis of my, of my Tim Corbin. It's JFK talking about college baseball. Uh, <laughs> speaking of college baseball, uh, South Carolina gives up, what, like three runs. Good start for the Gamecocks. More than 23,000 fans, I think, on hand at, uh, Carolina Stadium for the, for the Gamecocks. They defend, uh, their national championship, begin the defense of their national championship. I guess the rest of the top ten, here, Aaron, the, the most impressive series to me was Rice. Uh, really, soundly beating Florida International three times. I think you and I both think highly of the Golden Panthers. And the least impressive was probably North Carolina uh, giving up a lot of runs to Xavier. A solid Xavier program, but they gave up an awful lot of runs to the Musketeers in that one. Uh, Either of those you want to talk about or any other top ten series you wanted to touch base on?
1: Yeah, we can hit on a couple of these things. I mean, Rice, I I agree. I think that was an extremely impressive weekend. Um, I like the fact that you know, they, their starters all pitched very well. We knew their bullpen was going to be a major strength and their bullpen was, you know, outstanding all weekend. Um, but, uh, I think Matthew Reckling giving them a strong start on Saturday was a, a very good sign. Um, I think he's a real key for them. And then Jordan Stevens came, came in uh, the freshman on, on Sunday and, uh, I think he did, he did an okay job. I mean, I think, uh, he walked some guys, but, uh, I think you know, I Ray think-
0: Tanner would say that he battled.
1: He battled. Yeah, absolutely, he battled. So, um, yeah, I mean, their pitching is really good. I think their offense, uh, you know, came through this weekend. Jeremy Rath, great to have him back in the lineup if you're Rice, uh, had the big walk-off home run on Saturday. Um, so we ended up moving Rice, Texas A&M, and LSU each up a spot. Uh, we dropped Arizona three spots because, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about how uh in college baseball it is about the weekend series. But if you're Arizona and you lose a, a home game against North Dakota State, um, you know, and those other teams all swept their series and looked really good doing it. Um, that was one of those situations where you know we, we hit we hit Arizona a couple of spots. I still like Arizona. I was encouraged by the fact that they, they got great starting pitching. Even the game they lost, I mean, Connor Wade struck out thirteen guys. Um, right. And they lost the reasons. The, the reasons
0: that we liked Arizona coming into the season uh were born out on the weekend. Those you know they played kind of the, kind of the way we thought they played just uh North Dakota State for people who don't know now coached by Dave Schrag, a former coach at Northern Iowa, former coach at Notre Dame. Uh this guy's a pretty good accomplished uh, Evansville, an accomplished college baseball coach. Uh obviously things did not work out for him at Notre Dame. Uh I think of him as kind of like the Franklin Pierce of uh college baseball coaches. And that's a deep history analogy. You have to read up your Franklin Pierce history for that. But, but the the reason is that, the, uh, you know, he, so he's a, he's a good coach. That's a well coached team. And, uh, obviously, uh, you, know, you at the same time, you can't lose at home for Arizona to North Dakota State. You, if you, would not without pole consequences. So, right. um, not, not a great loss for them. And like you said, I mean, this, the North Carolina won the series against, uh, Xavier. Uh, you'd like to see them, yeah, you know, especially, you, they started two freshmen, here in the weekend. Chris O'Brien, a freshman left-hander, worked his way, basically won his way into the weekend rotation. And Connor Glassy from the staff was at the game. And I guess North Carolina had a 6-0 lead in the game they wound up losing. And then freshman Benton Moss, who's on a full academic ride, couldn't, handle, couldn't hold the lead in the second inning. And five pitching changes in the second inning. Does North Carolina really have that kind of pitching depth like they had last year that they're going to be able to? to be that aggressive and that quick with their hooks uh, with their starting pitching staff?
1: Seems a little excessive to me. I think, you know, at some point you just got to throw somebody out there and let them get out of the jam. But uh, obviously well, They do I have
0: crazy depth, though.
1: They do, and they're going to mix and match. I mean, that's they did it last year. Every game with North Carolina, it seems like once you get into that bullpen, uh, they're going to match up with you, and, and, and they're going to keep doing that because they do have a very deep staff. Um, you know, but... Uh, the, the reasons I, my concerns about UNC mostly involved, uh, the rotation, and, you know, certainly I don't feel any better about that after today. You know, they give up a lot of runs to Xavier, um, which, you know, is a solid A-10 program, but it's, it's a, it's a program you would expect UNC to keep in check a little bit more early in the season here. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is a, something to keep an eye on. I mean, we, we moved them down one spot, but certainly, you know, we still like UNC, but, uh, that's something to keep an eye on.
0: Aaron, we've got a couple questions on the Twitter. Uh, Joe Lecates, of course, is a long-time BA podcast listener. Uh, wants to make sure uh, he, he basically asked. Uh, this is a good transition, did the Terps pull a fluky upset uh, by winning two out of three at UCLA, or will they really be competitive this year? It sounds like it's a mix of both. UCLA played poorly Aaron, and one of our concerns was the bullpen. Scott Griggs is like number 100 on our college top 100 prospects list. He's got a better arm than that but his command has been an issue strike throwing ability has been an issue and it sounds like that was an issue the game that you went to where he lost the lead in the ninth inning uh but yeah. it sounds like ucla didn't play well but it sounds like maryland uh this is a nice uh, uh announcement to the rest of the country that maryland under eric back is really making some progress and, and is going to be pretty scrappy and, and uh a tough out
1: i i agree with that assessment you know certainly completely i think that uh uh first of all i mean Look, if UCLA plays up to its potential, I, I think they win that series. They, you know, maybe they sweep it. I don't know. But, um, they probably win two out of three. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the way they played this weekend, they should have won the Friday game. They were up one nothing. They left a lot of men on base. They couldn't cash in on their opportunities. And then Maryland scored two in the ninth without getting a hit because Griggs couldn't throw strikes. Uh, I think it's encouraging for UCLA that they went back to Griggs the next day. They threw him right back out there and he worked a one, two, three, ninth. Um, he only needed nine pitches and seven for strikes and he got the save. So, you know, maybe that's a good sign for UCLA. But, um, you know, I went back on Sunday and the Bruins played really poor defense behind Zach Weiss. Um, Maryland got three unearned runs in the first three innings and, you know, that really wound up being all they needed. Um, Brett Harmon coming back for Maryland is huge. A Tommy John guy that missed all last year. He was really their best pitcher two years ago. Um, you know, he beat a bunch of quality teams in the ACC. And then, uh, you know, he, comes back on Sunday and, and, he looked fantastic, John. I mean, for five innings, um, you know, they took him out after five because it's early in the season, but he, uh, you know, he mixed, mixed four pitches very well. He's got a great changeup. I think he struck out eight or nine guys. Um, and then, you know, the thing that, a couple of things that impressed me about Maryland. First of all, they've got some depth on the staff. I mean, it's, maybe it's not real big arms. They have some, some guys that are 90 plus. Um, you know, they came back with Jake Stanett out of the bullpen yesterday and, um, you know, they've got uh you know Sander Beck back there, but you know, mostly they've got they've got eight or nine guys on their staff that they trust. I really like Jimmy Reed, the left hander, got a great breaking ball, He's a nice guy toward the back of the bullpen. Um they've got a nice shortstop in Alfredo Rodriguez, uh and they've got some some physicality in the middle of the lineup. Tim Keeney hit two home runs this weekend. Uh Mike Montville's physical. I think KJ Hockaday is gonna be a really good player. So there's like some nice KJ. building blocks. I do yeah. like KJ.
0: Yeah, we like, we like the, they, they were the number 25 recruiting class a couple of years ago. They've, they've aimed high and not quite gotten some guys like a Jadanian Williams or a Cedo Culver. So, th- there have been some high profile misses, but some lower profile guys they've hit on, uh, where you, you really could see the, the talent level there. I mean, I think we had a lot of belief that Eric Backage is a guy who's played at East Carolina, a guy who coached at Clemson, a guy who's been an assistant coach at Vanderbilt. The resume and the pedigree was there for him to be able to turn This program around that hasn't been a regional since 1971 that's had like three winning seasons in the last 40 years. So you could see on paper that it would make sense that Eric Bakich could turn this program around, but I don't think we all realize just how hard it is for Maryland, uh, or weather, weather disadvantage to the rest of their, to the rest of the league. The academic, the athletic, uh, program has some serious financial problems there. Um, and the field, they really need a new field. There's no other way to put it. They need a new, home ballpark, forget facilities, they need a ballpark. They need a place wow. to play. So yeah. that field, field that's made famous by Marshall McDougall hitting six home runs there in one game. He's a Florida State. So it's a pretty epic, I think, uh, series win for Maryland. So props to those guys. And then, you know, UCLA drops, what did we drop them? Seven, eight spots. Mike, uh, you drop
1: Nine over. spots. Oh, eight no, spots. you're right. Eight spots. eight spots. Yeah,
0: you're right. That's quite a bit. Um, and Wiley Ballard, Atlanta Fanatic, at Atlanta Fanatic on Twitter. He asks, how significant was Georgia Tech's loss to Kent? Uh, Dusty Isaac got the Sunday spot and he thought that Zane Evans looked great on the mound. I think the emphasis there, Aaron, is that Kent State and Georgia Tech play regularly. Uh, so Kent State's not intimidated ever when they go in there and play Georgia Tech. And Kent State, as usual, Scott Strickland, former Georgia Tech assistant, he's got some, some nice pitchers on hand and Mike Burkbeck, his his pitching coach, uh, and he just knows what he's doing, and they've got arms this year.
1: Yeah, they do. I mean, Kent State's a quality program year after year. Uh, they, you know, they're they're always it seems like at the top of the MAC, and they they have legitimate talent there. And um, you know, I think they do a great job. Um, identifying and and developing talent there you know and and uh, this weekend you you saw it in that first game against Georgia Tech um they got a great start from their ace uh Starn who uh you know went went eight shutout innings and, and struck out nine and he's uh he's good i mean he's a quality you know polished college ace who's who's uh, who's going to win a lot of games for them this year
0: yeah i agree i like kent state uh they're our mac preseason favorite if memory serves and uh just really think that that's uh that's a series that's good for Georgia Tech because that's a team that does not ever come in intimidated. And, uh, you know, Georgia Tech and, I, 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 Georgia Tech and UCLA in my head are very similar. UCLA broke through obviously a couple of years ago and got to Omaha, got to the Cobble Series finals. But more often than not, those two programs are underachieved relative to their level of pro talent. There's no other way to say it. Uh, right. that's just been their track records and, uh, I, I respect both coaching staffs and I, But one thing I'll say for Georgia Tech that really stands out, they had two straight first-round picks, and uh, uh, Deck McGuire and Jed Bradley, who were undrafted out of high school, who really emerged in college at Georgia Tech and became first-rounders. That needs to be pointed out. Georgia Tech doesn't just just get highly recruited players. They get players who really weren't highly recruited and, and makes them better, and yet they still can't put things together on the field up to a level where you know observers like us think that they should on a consistent basis. It's, yeah. They're held to a very high standard, and they haven't quite lived up to that. But I, I think there's no shame in losing to Kent State. That was a long way of saying that. Right, to me, right. there's no shame in losing to Kent State. Aaron, and let's wrap that, up. Go ahead.
1: That, as you say, that seems like an appropriate place to transition to maybe one final talking point, and that's yeah. just uh, another team that we brought in. The one team we brought into the rankings yep. this week is, is Baylor. And, you know, that's where I was headed. In some ways, they've got kind of a similar track record as other two teams. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Baylor is—you got your East Coast version in Georgia Tech, your West Coast version in, uh, um, in UCLA, and your Central version really kind of would be Baylor, which has broken through once to Omaha under Steve Smith, uh, but they've had some pretty highly ranked teams. And of course, they had that recruiting class—the Sean Tollison recruiting class in my head, where they just Justin couldn't Dickerson, quite, yeah. and,
1: you know, Miller, those guys.
0: And they couldn't quite put things together, and yet, you know, Sean Tollison gets the Pro Ball, and this guy tore it up with Double A last year with the Dodgers. He might be in the big leagues with the Dodgers in their bullpen this year, and that guy really, the talent was there. It's still there. It just didn't come together for him uh at, ba- at well, while he was at Baylor. But they sweep uh, Oral Roberts, an Oral Roberts team that did lose some guys, Aaron, but still the, you know, still Oral Roberts, a team that's battle tested, that usually has really good junior college recruits. I think we trust you know, Coach Cooper is going to bring in. Good players because the track record of Oral Roberts is they've been in the regionals for like fourteen years in a row. So uh, what did Baylor yeah. do right, and what has Baylor got going for it?
1: Well, you know, I I think Baylor is just a, a well a pretty balanced team. I mean, I, I like their lineup quite a bit. They've got a lot of experience in their lineup. Uh, they had some new faces in the lineup too this weekend that maybe I wasn't expecting to see. But um, you know, I think like they're Nathan Orff? like Nathan Orff is a good is a good example and a great um, name. But, uh, you know, this team to me is, is, uh, um, you know, unlike maybe the team three or four years ago that had all those highly recruited guys, this team, you know, they've got some, some more blue collar guys, some, some really good college players, some winners that, that, uh, play the game hard. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's a good makeup. Uh, and, and I like the, you know, the Max Muncie's and the, um, Logan Vicks, you know, those guys are in the middle of the lineup are, are really good players. Cal Tui and, um, you know, it's, it's a nice core. Um, the main reason we didn't rank them in the preseason was I wanted to see what kind of, how, you know, how their pitching would perform. And I thought it was great to see Brad Kuntz give him a, a strong start on Sunday. Um, you know, they, certainly we know that Josh Turley is, is, is a really good, uh, Friday guy. Let's see what Max Garner can do on Saturday. He didn't have a great outing. He was okay. But, uh, you know, if the pitching holds up, I think Baylor could be pretty good.
0: Yeah, there's definitely pitching depth there. I think it's a matter of sorting out kind of those roles and people settling into some of those roles. Um, but certainly Baylor's lineup, I think, looks, it looks strong. Muncie's about as good of a veteran, middle of the order guy who he's had college success. He's physical. He's a pro guy. The guy just hits. I think he's a guy that uh, we're really looking at draft wise. Um, I guess next year he's a, he's a sophomore, correct? Uh, he's, no, a, he's, he's a, junior. a junior. He's a junior. I think, uh, you know, you're looking for a left-handed, Hitting first baseman at the college level, he's one of the guys you're going to look at. I mean, he's not as high on the radar as maybe a Preston Tucker, I know plays outfield, or Brian Johnson, um, the two guys of Florida. But uh, Max Muncie's a really good, solid college hitter with with some now strength. So yeah. uh, he's kind of a, he's my pick to click on that team. Of course, I'm always going to be partial to Joey Haynes further. I, I can't I can't lie. I always love my uh, my goofy Baylor names, going all the way down to Preston Underdown. And the end of the 20th century, which is one of my all time favorite names. Um, and of course, Zane Carlson, one of my all time favorite players. I think Zane listens to the podcast still in the, he was a sidearm closer. Of course, I love Zane Carlson. That's um, right. and Fitzy, uh, where are you at, uh, coming up this week? What are you going to see, uh, in week two of the college baseball season?
1: Uh, we got a really busy, exciting slate out here in the West Coast. I'll see, uh, uh, I'm sure I'll see Baylor one of those days at UCLA. Uh, we've got TCUs at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Cal's gonna be at Long Beach. I think, uh, there's a tournament down in San Diego that has, uh, I believe Oregon State, Kansas State's down there. So, I have to sort all that out, but there's plenty, plenty of exciting action on, on the docket here.
0: Good grief. You got a lot of baseball to see there this weekend, but it was, uh, awesome to be back out there. Beautiful, uh, it's just a tremendous, tremendous time of year for us to have college baseball back. Uh, I think next weekend in our area, we got Purdue, which, uh, went 3-0. and in the Big East Big Ten Challenge, which was exciting to see uh, the preseason favorite uh, live up to some of that. They're coming to the to the Triangle area next year, uh, next year, next weekend. And I think we've got uh, some of the Baseball America staffers might be tracing up to Charlottesville next weekend to see Monmouth in Virginia. We're we're on the Monmouth Trail apparently. Who knew? I, I guess um, so. But uh, but I think more to see Virginia. But uh, good great stuff, Aaron. Uh, this is a shorter podcast. We'll go a little bit longer the rest of the year, obviously. But uh, first week of the year. Both of us, uh, especially me on the road, we're going to keep this a little, a little bit shorter. Uh, but obviously the college podcast will roll on every week, uh, during the college season on Monday and is brought to you sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATECSports.com to learn how, tr- about training machines that can help make your practices more effective and efficient. See training trip, training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on ATEC sports.com a tech whenever you practice so aaron uh we got great great questions also on twitter remember if you want to hit up aaron on twitter at aaron fit i'm at john Manuel ba and this has been the baseball america podcast so long everybody